So this is today. Today is yesterday and tomorrow is also today. You traveled through time to the present. Yes. Yeah, I don't think you get how time travel works. It's like we're stuck. You know, like a, like a needle on a scratch record. I wake up every day right here, right in Punxsutawney, and it's always February 2nd. It's one of those infinite time loop situations you might have heard about. It's a thing where the same day keeps happening. Time. in a damn time loop or something? Ah! Well, it's Groundhog Day again. And that must mean that I'm Professor Robert E.G. Black and I'm here with Austin Pryor from Malkovich, Malkovich Minute Minute here to discuss Groundhog Day again. Still. Forever. Always. <laughs> forever and ever. Ah. Forever. 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 I've only mentioned this on Facebook, so listeners of the show might not know this. I got a time loop story idea stuck in my head recently, and I think I actually want to try and turn it into a screenplay, which means I'm going to be doing even more Groundhog Day references and dealing with time loop stuff. Yeah. In addition to this show. Yeah. Are you going to pitch it? It would be the kind of thing, if, if it turns out close to what I want it to be, yeah, I would definitely try to get it somewhere. Right, right. No, I meant, are you going to pitch it now on the podcast? Um. We'll get to it a little bit because thematically it's close to 12.01 p.m., which is one of my time loops of the week. Okay, great. We'll get there. Okay, looking forward to it. What's funny is a lot of the basic stuff of it, I have no idea. Okay. It's the really elaborate underneath structure that is already in my head. Yes. That's how I write when I used to think I was a writer when I was like a you know a teenager. Mm-hmm. It would all be world building and technicality. And then like when it came to characters, I'd be like, I don't know. I don't know, he's a good guy. I don't know. <laughs> character? What is that? And like, that's completely the opposite to it. You know, I love character. I love, I, I love dia- dialogue has to work for me. And I love, you know what I mean? <laughs> when I'm watching, yeah. I'm completely different in how I respond to it. And I want to watch the interplay and the psychology of the characters is so important to me. But when I get ideas and when I get into a creative space, it's all like, yeah, I don't care. It doesn't bother me with characters. I just want to know like what <laughs> year in the future it is and what the technology is and what the politics are and you know, all of that kind of stuff. Yes. I love all that stuff, but I don't want them to tell me no, what no, it no. is. I don't want it on the screen at the beginning. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You don't don't give me a date and a city. Yeah. Yeah. If I can't figure that out from context, it doesn't matter. I think after years of kind of having these different little universes and, you know, developing them in biology class down the back, when, you know, and not paying the attention mm-hmm. I should have been, that like, I don't know, I said that I never sat down the back. I always sat up the front because I was always talking. But anyway, <laughs> I, I think I eventually realized I was like, I think I was just writing a source book for a role playing game because it's all backstory, it's all world building, you know, and that's yeah. like, that's just a source book. That's not a story. Somebody else can come along and write. Yeah, I have a glossary slash encyclopedia for the fantasy world I wrote novels set in. Brilliant. And that has more detail than any of the books had. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Because I never got to the stage of like finishing any books or anything. You know, that's like, that's next Mm. level shit. It would all be notes. And I'd be like, you know, there were story beats. I don't want to overstate it, but that like, (laughs) (laughs) I would just get so involved in all the world building. No, I I get that. Even like my screenplay idea, yeah. I'll talk about it now. The parts that I already kind of know, yeah. I had a very specific vision of the first scene, mm. and I'm gonna do a sort of behind the scenes discussion of this stuff. And I think one of the first ones I'll do is discussing that specific vision of what is that opening scene. Nice, yeah, yeah. That show will be called the first syllable because the title of the time loop is the last syllable of recorded time, which is a line from Macbeth. Okay. That is really, it's in the speech that most people just quote the sound and fury line. Right. Yeah. 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 I was just going to say the last syllable of recorded time. That's a really good line. What writer? You, that must be a good writer. Oh, it's Shakespeare. Shakespeare. Yeah. I hear he's good. <laughs> <laughs> and no one's used that line because they always go for sound and the fury. Sound and fury signifying nothing. Yeah. Because that's exciting. I don't want exciting. I want like, 
A24 indie movie that just happens to be an existential <laughs> nightmare about a time loop. Yeah, yeah. And so there's all this understructure where I know exactly how long the time loop is, which is the question I hate when we talk about Groundhog Day. Right. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter. And the point of mine is that it matters. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Because you're getting into the world building and the technicalities. And then when you're watching. Yeah. Yeah. And so and so I want to play with some of the complaints I have. Like I complained many a time in my blog about Danny Rubin's voiceover that he had in the original draft of Groundhog mm. Day. I'm going to do voiceover. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's flaccid, sloppy writing. <laughs> and God help you if you use voiceover in your work, my friends. God help you. It's flaccid, sloppy writing. Any idiot can write voiceover narration to explain the thoughts of a character. Because I don't want to start at the beginning of the loop. Yeah. The end of the loop is the point of my story. Yeah. Because it's this existential thing where he doesn't know what's going to happen when the countdown finishes. Yeah, yeah. The loop keeps getting shorter. This is so kind of crossing over in my head with Malkovich as well, because it's like my whole thing. And it applies, it'll apply tomorrow in Eternal Sunshine. My whole thing about Malkovich is like, I'm kind of, you know, what are the rules? And I'm talking, I'm saying, what are the rules? You know, mm -hmm. but I don't want to know them. I love that they're not laid out. I love, you know, that they don't get into the lore and the technical side of it, even though I love all that stuff, but I don't want it mm -hmm. all laid out in front. I'm much rather. Well, you don't want that stuff on the screen, no. but you want to, as soon as you pause and think about it, to yeah. imagine that it's there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's why, like, so much of Star Wars is just kind of dead now because it's all just like explaining right. how Han Solo got his whip, how things happen. Yeah. <laughs> and we don't no, want that. No. I mean, with this, basically, the notion is that for voiceover is because since he's in the middle loop, he already knows everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And so when he's involved, he'll tell us who they are. He'll tell us why he doesn't want to talk to them. Yeah. He's not going to punch people like Phil does. Yeah. Yeah. He's more civil because this is set in the present. Mm. He has access to the internet. So he's going to reference other time loop things like Groundhog Day because he's like, I look, I watched him. Yeah. Yeah. I needed ideas. Yeah. And so it's going to get very complicated with him referencing things that the audience might not get. People obsessive about time loop things or Groundhog Day might not get. I might put a joke in there that I'm the only one who gets it. Yeah. Because I want him to have things that he knows and doesn't even consider that you don't understand. Yeah, yeah, because you would have a lot of in-jokes with, you, with just yourself if you spend that right. much time with yourself and that other people are much more kind of... They're not going to remember yeah. his jokes, so he's his audience. And then I'm like, he has to be able to track his time loops, but I want it to be slightly obscure where we don't get it at first. Yeah, yeah, whatever methods he's using. Yeah. And I know what that system is, and I might do an episode about that on the first syllable. Oh, speaking of systems, yeah. I was very, very gratified in a recent episode to find out that you have a password for somebody to approach you if they're in a time loop. Yep. And I just want to give you a high five. <laughs> I too have a password for slightly different reasons, but it could be used in the context. Yeah. Realizing when I was a kid that there was this scenario of somebody can come to you and say, I'm you from the future. And when that happens right. in a movie, there's always the line of, well, that's just not possible. Who, who could this be? You know, what, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. Prove it. And so I have a password. So from about the age of mm -hmm. 10, I think is when I came up with this. Nice. So I'm covered from 10 on. If somebody comes back and approaches me and says, I'm you from the future, or I was sent by you from the future, or I'm your descendant or whatever it is, I'm just like, okay, you, you know what to do. Yeah. What's, what's the code what's word? The word? Yeah. <laughs> and it's something that I... They shouldn't even say hello. They should just exactly, walk up to me and just say, come up and say it. Or better still, because the whole idea is that the code word should never be said out loud in case there's other time travelers. Pass me a pass note. Pass me a note <laughs> and, and we'll burn it immediately, you know? So I just came up with the idea of putting that in a story when I was a kid. And then I was like, well, wait a minute, I should do it in real life because, you know, mm -hmm. it's not likely, but it's possible, you know. If it happens, you want to be prepared. You want to have full coverage. Yeah. So if, unfortunately, I don't have full coverage. Actually, my daughter is nearly five and I haven't told her to think of one yet. That's that's uh, <laughs> I, I need to sit down and have the talk. <laughs> <laughs> we need to have the, the, important the time talk, travel you have your, time loop talk and say, now you need to think, yeah. don't tell me, don't tell me, just never say it to anybody, but just remember it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, so, so she can be covered from a younger age. Mine of course is Bing. Yours is. Oh no. Oh, said you said it. <laughs> Bing. No, I actually had it before I was doing the blog and really obsessing and would have picked something like Bing. Yeah. Yeah. So Bing 
Yeah, he says it a lot. Yes, that's how he starts the minute. He says, oh, bing again. Oh, bing again. You're sharper You're than sharp attack. as attack today. today. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Stephen Tobolowsky is, I mean, it's just so obvious and it's been said so much. He is amazing in this. Yeah. And it's the awkwardness that is being projected at him and the comfort he has with getting right up in Phil's face is just... Oh, and turning him. He turns he, him. Phil he stops. physically turns him. He turns Phil to him. <laughs> oh, so he's facing him. Do you have life insurance? It's so intense. It's so ridiculous. And he's just... He lights up the screen, this guy. Phil's just busy looking around. He's like, this is all the detail I had yesterday. That can't be yeah, real. Yeah. And Ned doesn't He's care. He's yeah. just getting his attention. Yeah. Look at me. Focus. So I can sell you insurance. But like, this is also Ned is now ecstatic because he's just had this moment of like, the cool, sarcastic guy remembers me. No, right. You know, he's just like Ned Ryerson. Bang, you know, he remembers me. You know, it's like, this is, this is going great for me. I love this. So like any subsequent <laughs> social cues that this guy doesn't love you are just going to fall on deaf ears. I mean, they would anyway, that's Ned, but even more so <laughs> with, with how ecstatic he is about this encounter, you know, it's, it's great. This moment right here is the opposite of the Nathan and Caleb thing yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Ned is genuine. Yeah. He is just so excited. He's still going to try to sell insurance because that's what he does. Mm hmm. But that's who he he's is. genuine. Yeah. And that's why he's comfortable enough when Phil starts to look away again to hit him. <laughs> oh it's it, yeah it is ridiculous like no attention here yeah this is a great this moment is my moment you remember this is my moment that you get to be a part of it exactly this isn't phil's no. thing this is yeah. nets you're not the main character today you just made his day and it's seven in the morning yeah yeah he has main character energy <laughs> yes. he has scrooge at the end of a christmas carol energy he's just like <laughs> huge effusive and yeah, just loves insurance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not trying to scam him. He's not in it for the money. He wants to help people in need. Yeah. Like you have a health problem, I can help. With yeah, that. yeah. And it's and it's all a crapshoot, anywho. Exactly. And this is this guy from high school who remembered him. So of course he wants to yeah, help him. Of course it's gonna be a, a slam dunk. It's gonna be another sale. Yeah. And then he's got his repetitive talking. You could always use a little more, right? right? I mean, who couldn't? But you wanna know something? I got a feeling. And he touches him again. <laughs> you ain't got it. Really touches him. Yeah. Am I right or am I right? Or am I right? Right, 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 right. Yeah, that barking in somebody's and face. Phil's having none of it. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> after you hit him, after you yes. turn him. Right, 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 right. It's incredible. It's just awful. <laughs> yeah, so I got to go. Then Phil goes into the water again. Watch out for that first step. It's a doozy. Yeah, why is Ned's reaction to the puddle basically the same on this second loop? Like the first day, it was like <laughs> Phil was an absolute bastard to him. And now today he's been... Ned can't tell the difference. No, he can't tell the difference. <laughs> he's too excited to see this friend from high school. <laughs> yeah, because I always used to think the last episode of Doozy is just, a, oh, this is a funny situation. We can both laugh about it. Mm -hmm. Then, I don't know, in recent reviewings, I think he enjoys that Phil is suffering after being kind of spurned by him in the first loop. In, in and first after talking about insurance. Yeah. Like, you know what could happen because you stepped in that water? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. It's an insurance situation as well. Yeah. <laughs> Come back. Well, he wasn't insurance. covered when he stood in the water. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I suppose it's like, yeah, let's hope we don't cover him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they could have found a way to put that in the line at the end when it explains all the types of insurance he bought. Yeah, puddle insurance. One of them has to do yeah. with... <laughs> or ice ice water exposure. Frostbite, Frostbite insurance. insurance. There you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a hell of a puddle as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's you know... it's They really, removed bricks to make this puddle. They removed bricks. And like, dog, serious earth. This is not like... Mm -hmm. And it's down from the curb. So that step. Yeah. Someone could get seriously injured if they're walking fast yeah, enough. You're going to, you're going to, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a doozy, you might say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And that's not wrong. No, no. And then we go to Gobbler's Knob. We start to hear music. The first shot, because I've been trying to catalog them again. When we're across the street, we get the same couple that had just passed Phil in the previous shot. So timing is good. Mm -hmm. The guy with the yellow hat and the girl with the neck cap. And behind Phil, are the dude with the white sweatpants and the black guy with the scrubs. Okay. So you've been tracking these people. Yeah, they were browsing one of the store windows behind okay. the last scene. Now they're up walking with them. Yeah. 
we see a lot of these people on this shot and the previous one are the same people. So they probably filmed these the same day. You would, with yeah. The same extras. And it's funny, like, there's so much repetition in filmmaking anyway. Mm-hmm. This must have gotten quite confusing, especially when there's so much repeated dialogue. I mean, in a way, I suppose it made it easier to learn, I guess, if you have to see it in blocks of dialogue. But it must have been an odd shoot to just kind of go, now we're going to do scene 24 and we do that, whatever number of takes and however number of angles and setups mm-hmm. and stuff. And then we're going to do scene 40 and it's the same scene except for this, this and this, you know? Exactly. Very strict version of like, what, what do they call it when you're done with the location? Wrap. Yeah. Like you wrap that yeah. location. Like they're filming. Yes. This is Ned's yeah. corner. We're here for a few days. We're going to get three versions of each of the scenes. Yeah. Go. And they must have done like for setups, for lighting, for angle and stuff. They must have done like we'll have to do three different scenes with this one setup mm-hmm. and then do those same three scenes again for the other angle. As in, I think logistically yeah. that would be how you would do it. So again, that just must have been very confusing. And weather. So they did them yeah, on multiple the weather, days. Weather too. would need to match and everything. So they can match it later. Yeah, that, I do not envy that task. Which is why at one point later, we lose one of the extras at Ned's Corner. Right. She just disappears and isn't in the rest of the film. An oversight. Oh. Wow. Well, I have never noticed that, but I guess I have watched this film fewer times than yourself. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Just a few fewer. Phil is still stomping his wet foot around as he's walking into the uh, town square, looking around still at all the detail and how everything's the same. Camera pans with him. We see the guy with the cowboy hat and the French coat, who is actually in several locations throughout the movie. Mm. And he wore distinctive clothes just to make sure he's noticeable. Right. Would he not have been dressed by? Oh, no. I guess some people come up in their own clothes. Not with this many extras. Oh, yeah. They basically, I forget what their daily fee was, but then they had $100 prizes every hour just to keep them happy. Yeah, yeah. They brought them coffee and like donuts and stuff. They're in their own gear. But it's basically come to the square and wear what you wore yesterday. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yesterday, I was super flamboyant. For some of them, they probably had... specific places they were supposed to walk just to keep it consistent and those people probably were like well if i'm going to be noticeable and repeated i'm wearing something distinct which is why the one guy has white sweatpants the other guy's got scrubs or green pants yeah and a fur coat yeah yeah (laughs) like you're one who kept playing with her scarf at the train platform in uh eternal sunshine yeah yeah Exactly. Which never bothered me until I heard your podcast. <laughs> right. It's once I saw it and I'm like, why are they look? Stop looking at the camera. Stop moving. It's not about you. Yeah. Yeah. Main character energy. There you go. It's like the scene is stand still and wait. Mm, mm. That's not a scene where you decide to be the extra that gets noticed. <laughs> at least these ones get to dance. Yeah. Because we got to dancing again off to the left. We have a lot of 80s hair. Oh, it's beautiful. This movie is filmed in 92, but in... Woodstock, Illinois, it was still the 80s. There was still still a hell of a lot of 80s in the early 90s. Mm -hmm. Even if you look at season one of Friends or something, it's like, wow, I I can't believe how long the 80s dragged into the 90s. Yeah, It's almost as if decades are arbitrary constructions that don't actually dictate (laughs) how culture changes. Although weirdly, because we talk about them and that's how we divide time, it does become self-fulfilling. And like fashion and things will be like, no, it's a new decade. We got to try something new. But it takes a year to catch yeah. on, another year to get around the country. Yeah, it, it happens. Another year to go around the world. Exactly. It happens in, you know, M- Milan and Paris first, and then, you know, mm-hmm. filters out to the to the plebs. Yeah. <laughs> they want to do new things. Yeah. Doesn't mean we're going to accept it. Yeah. It has to be heavily normalized. Well, you know, we have to roll our eyes mm-hmm. at it a few times and then go, well, that's kind of all that's in the shops now. So I guess I'll just buy that thing that a few years ago I would have said I'll never <laughs> be seen dead in that. And on this reverse angle, by the way, there is no sign of Nancy Taylor, Oh, even though she should be visible. Oh, right. From the front, there's someone who looks similar. They have a similar jacket. Okay. But in these shots from the back, I couldn't even find that person. So it wasn't on purpose. Do you think he got the idea, you know, the the thing he uses on Nancy, Nancy asking her where she went to high school and everything. Came from that. Yeah. Do you think, do you think, yeah. That, yeah, yeah, because it is kind of a reflection of like Ned told me a load of stuff about himself and I still didn't recognize him, but I was able to pretend I did next time. And mm-hmm. it's kind of like the whole idea got planted. And so he just needs a few specifics ready to go. Yeah. Lincoln High, Mrs. Walsh. Yeah. Cause if you've got some <laughs> specifics like that, you've got nowadays it'd be like oh so you follow me on instagram yeah yeah totally yeah yeah but back then if you've got a few specifics like that 
you can get away with a lot because the person has mm-hmm. fully decided that you must have been in their class at the beginning, uh, you know, at the beginning of the relationship. Right. So if there's a few slip ups, it's going to take a lot for you to be thrown. It's making me think of the talent of Mr. Ripley mm, yeah. and how Ripley goes in hard with references to uh, Princeton and Dickie Greenleaf is like, yeah, t- takes it all in and, and just like, oh, you know, Princeton is a fog. I, you know, I'm, I, I'm sure I remember you. And it's way into the movie before he says to him, you know, I didn't know you at Princeton, did I? You know, right. That's the thing, because people would rather pretend they remember you yeah. than admit they don't. Totally. Yeah. Especially if they like you. Yeah. Like Phil yesterday didn't care about Ned, so he told him. Yeah, I just like, don't remember you. Sure, yeah. you remember me? Like not, <laughs> no not a chance. <laughs> he didn't waste his time saying that this time. Yeah. He identified. Yeah, that. he remembered. Yeah, he heard. He heard <laughs> Ned Ryerson so many times yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Later, he's like, "How can I play with this time loop yes. thing?" And he's like, "I got a Ned Ryerson mm-hmm. someone." Mm-hmm. Very good. <laughs> That's what I should have called it. <laughs> Ned Ryersoning. I always called it Phil Connering. Oh, right. Yeah, right. yeah. Time loop, you have that extra information and you manipulate people. Yeah. Give them a good netting. <laughs> that, that sounds dirty. Now. Yeah. Well, or maybe you should call works. it binging. Bing! <laughs> he banged them. Binged them good. So we hear the uh, Pennsylvania polka again. It's, 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 it's not a very interesting polka. It's Deliberately, fun. it's going to go in the background. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. What's what's your favorite polka? <laughs> um, I'm gonna say that one from Home Alone. Home Alone, he's like yeah. Trying to get her to remember, he's like polka, 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 polka. No, that's my favorite. That's great. Yeah, it's a good one. It's just one word over and over, and it's all about the delivery. <laughs> Not even real. So then we get to Phil getting up to Gobbler's Knob, and we do get a continuity error as he's going up the stairs. There's a military guy with a mustache behind him. And when we switch the angle of Rita and Larry, that same guy is behind them now. Okay. He might have teleported. Teleporting. Yeah, that seems like them. This is a universe where you have time loops. You could have teleportation. That's why the military is here. They're experimenting. Do you ever think that maybe there is a time loop situation happening in this universe? And this, as we'll talk about in our time loop of the week later on, that there is a real physical thing happening and that somehow... Phil is remembering each loop and everybody mm-hmm. else is successfully resetting. Well, that goes to like the shovel hit him and that loosened something in him. And then when the loop went off, oh, the exam or whatever. Interesting. The shovel. because the shovel vibrating is, still. The shovel really stood out as so unnecessary and random seeming this time more than others. And it just seemed like, <laughs> God, you're really desperate for a gag for, to, to, for the end of that scene. It's like, oh, he gets hit in the head by a snow shovel. It's the Ramus effect. It's the Ramus effect. <laughs> he loves a punchline on his scene. Yeah, yeah. But it's kind of fair enough as well because it does kind of add this town has it in for him and the weather right. and the fact that it's a snow shovel, not just a random shovel. You know, it's the mm-hmm. weather, it's the snow, it's the town. Everything is just kind of beating on him. That's kind of the my justification for it anyway. But what I'm saying is if that, is the case that there's this you know kind of a real physical loop thing happening that maybe there are other people around the world who are going through the same thing at the same time yeah and or in the town or in the town if it's like a local bubble or something local bubble of course but yeah but if it's a local bubble you would notice that it's only happening locally because we'd be stuck on second of february and you know the rest of the united states and the rest of the world would be well unless the bubble is bouncing backward and so the whole town is moving. It's just most of the people can't experience it. They don't recognize it. But Phil is loose. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it really is going back. To, it's yeah, like, yeah, 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 I get you. It's going back to the start. It's of like your day. time loop of the week, one minute time machine. Yes. Yeah. It's Where killing it's off happy. the previous version and yeah, bounce yeah. back. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but it does get you into a kind of like a, I don't know quantum leap the episode where sam beckett meets another leaper kind of a mm-hmm. situation yeah. you know it's like it does open the possibility up for uh, and that is part of the original script but it was that makes it more of a science fiction thing much much more yeah he goes looking for people and there's a he meets a couple people who claim that's happening but they're just vague enough in their terms that one of them might be crazy and the other one might be thinking he's speaking existentially as a metaphor yeah, yeah. Or that he's the, the priest or just playing along with like, him to placate him because yeah. they think he's a loon or something. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. That's fun. But I that's mean, I'm glad they didn't more go down than that they needed road. once it yeah, became yeah. a comedy and definitely, yeah, yeah. That's took, once Harold Ramis and Bill Murray are attached, that tone changed. Yeah, yeah. That's that's fine. Yeah. 
So that's totally going to be part of mine. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's get all technical up in this. I'm like, I want to steal things from every time. I have to watch all the time loop movies again, and I've watched a lot of them. <laughs> Any excuse. This time I'm going to take specific note of things I can steal. And like I was watching, we're going to time loop of the week here. Great. Most of life is just junk, right? It's, it's filler. Mm. And then there's these moments when all the randomness turns into something perfect. It's like life's dropping all the bullshit for a second to show us how amazing it could be all the time if it wanted to. Hmm. I don't know. I think maybe we're supposed to become like better people. Though I honestly don't even know how that could be possible. Maybe think about it. We must miss so many of them. All those tiny perfect things are just poof, gone, lost forever. But not today. That is a disturbingly inspirational idea, Mark. It's a perfect day. You couldn't have planned a day like this. Well, you can. It just takes an awful lot of work. Time. 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 The last revision is what counts, apparently. Time. What if we found Time. them all? All the perfect things in this Time. one town, Time. in this one day, we could collect them. I was watching 12 1 p.m. and there's this bit where he's sort of starting to explain what's going on. She's like, well, I certainly wouldn't want to have the problem you're having. He's like, well, you can say that again. Yeah. And she says, well, I certainly wouldn't want to have the problem you're having. And yeah. it's like this Zucker level joke. It is. That's, that's, and I'm like, I love it. I really like that moment. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, she's just being funny. She's and just being funny. And he's just like, that's a fucked up thing to do to me. Is it put me in a little loop? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, if you knew yeah. how nasty that is. Yeah. So will we start with 12 1? Yeah. Because I've watched this movie a bunch of times. Came out in 1990. So there was this brief time where the producers of 1201 sort of threatened to sue Groundhog Day. Wow. Like the production. Yeah. Because they thought they were stealing from that. But it turns out some underlying structure of the story came from earlier stuff. Plus 1201 was already a story that had been around for years. and As a short thing, story. Yeah. Yeah. It was a story that came out, I believe, 73. Yeah. By uh, Richard Lupoff. And the story... It's pretty much what's in the movie. There's a little bit more and there's some a couple of like comedic beats. Yeah. In this short the movie, movie is very bleak. There is, there is yeah. then like a feature length TV movie in 93, which is a bit different. Okay. That is more of a sci-fi thing where they yeah. do go and stop the machine. That's okay. making the time loop. Yeah. And it's okay. Especially for a TV movie. 1201 is pretty good. Okay. 1201 PM. The short is more bleak because spoilers yeah the entire universe is bouncing yes back yeah and in the first story he did write a sequel a while later and then a third one wow. as well short stories not the films yeah because someone else adapted the film yeah is basically the entire universe is bouncing and myron castleman played by kurtwood smith just happens to be the only person who notices or at least the only person where he is yeah there could be others. yes he would never know because the loop is only an hour. So long. It's way too short to go and find other people. Yeah. Right. I guess the way, and I'm going into writer mode here now and thinking how you would contrive that. The only way that the dad from that 70s show could find out mm -hmm. about another looper or another bouncer. By the way, the fact that these are called time loop movies, mm -hmm. but the first one to get there called it a time bounce which is just yeah. adorable. Bounce. That's a ridiculous name. <laughs> time loop, it makes much more sense. <laughs> The second short story gets more into the, the why he called it a bounce. Oh, interesting. Is essentially, it's two versions of the universe bouncing off of each other oh, as they try okay. to collide. Yeah, yeah. And he's basically bouncing between them. Right, right. Um, because, oh yeah, so many things to say. Okay. Yeah, the only way you could do it so that he would notice is that if he or the other person who's who's like knows that they're bouncing, does something to get themselves on breaking news within the hour of the loop right or they happen to call that scientist the same time like right okay. before he did. yeah yeah they're he's like dude someone else just called from other, new york that's the other connection yeah yeah that's what it would be yeah because otherwise the only way you could do it would be global media it would be like just mm -hmm. do something crazy or crash a plane or something that's you know and, and and have it be like the last thing he said over the radio was something about a time bound which spoilers for a script i haven't even written yet <laughs> this is sort of the tone i want mine to take is that this bounce is going to go on yeah but my version it's shrinking oh I every see. day is a minute shorter yeah 
Yeah. And so it has a finite amount of time. And that means the lead yeah. can contemplate what happens at the end of it. Is this, yeah. this the end of the yeah. universe yeah. or the end of me? Doctor Who did a shrinking time loop at uh, New Year's. Um, well, they've gone to the end of time as well in Doctor Who. Well, they have also. Like the end of yeah, yeah, the end of everything. But their Christmas special or the New Year's Day special or whatever mm, was yeah. like, yeah, it, the time loop is shorter every iteration. But yeah, sorry, we've kind of skipped ahead and not even introduced 12.01 p.m. So I mean, it's very simple because the loop is an hour. He's just going out to his lunch break as it starts. Mm -hmm. So as it starts, it's a very nice little film. He goes into a park. He's nervous about talking to a woman on a bench and then finally gets to talk to her. Yeah. And then he's a little tense as that conversation goes on. And we kind of figure out as he's trying to explain it, this is not going to last because he keeps looking at the clock. Yeah. And he finally tells her, no matter how this goes, it all ends in two minutes and then it's yeah. the end of the hour and it jumps back an hour. So at one, one o'clock, it's jumping back to 12.01. Yeah, I thought like the conversation on the bench is kind of rough going. It's, it's mm -hmm. like the only way to explain the dynamic between these characters is that it was directed by a man. You know, it's like <laughs> because she is a fantasy of how you would want a conversation with a woman you meet right. and you think to go. It's like, she's so ridiculously open and interested and gives him so many chances when he's being weird and still just is like, I just want to know all about you. And she's an attractive young woman. Why on earth? <laughs> I'm not saying anything bad about the dad from that 70s show, which is his only name, Kurtwood Smith. I've never, well, he's never also heard of that. Clarence guy. Boddicker. From Robocop. From Robocop. Yeah, yeah. But I, I just, his name is the dad from that 70s show. I don't, yeah, I don't, dad I don't know exactly. his name, which you speak. But, <laughs> but like, why? Why is she interested? And why does she keep the conversation <laughs> going? And the kind of the idea of the scene is that he picks up the starts of the conversation. He doesn't. He just says, can I sit here? And then she does all the work. Yeah. And she's so keen. And I'm just like, what are you getting out of this? And it's not like she's not getting red flags from this guy because he's all like he's kind of sweating and looking at the clock and talking yeah. about all this. Just like, oh, yeah, there's a man behind the camera. That's why. That's why this is happening. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's interesting because that kind of plays into my um, time loop of the week as well. Yeah. And we'll get back to there. Maybe I need to play with this is that in this movie, he doesn't have time. He specifies how many times the loop is gone. Yeah. And it's few. My version would be like multiple loops in. He's like, this is the person right here who believes me every time. Yeah. And so like, and whenever he needs a conversation, he sits with them. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's got those people who's like, no matter what I say, she doesn't believe. Yeah. Me. Yeah. So he doesn't <laughs> even talk to that one. Yeah. It's like, I'm done. That's great. He knows who's easy to seduce and who isn't. That kind of thing. Oh, I'm remembering a thread that I wanted to pick up from ages ago, which is, you know, if you want to make your screenplay. Mm -hmm and you know work one interesting experiment you could do is for real go up and try telling people talk to people and explain to them that you're in a time loop and have all the details worked out and that would be so weird if they believed me though i know to be fucked up if they believe and there are ethical considerations to this don't get me wrong but i think the best way to do it would be in a pub where going up and talking to people and telling them tall tales is not entirely out of, yeah. you know what I mean? I wouldn't do it in a park or something, but I think it would be really interesting and really funny and just, you know, and as if you could get a way to record it with a secret camera and, and then ask them for permission after it, it would just be very funny, <laughs> but not play it funny, play it just serious and just go like, no, this is actually happening. I have, Oh, but of course, then you would have to have like... Well, you have to be able to cheat. Yeah, you'd have to have people planted in the you bar. Gotta do, you got to do be like a cold reader yeah. where you can guess things about them or you linger nearby to catch their name. Or you have like 10 something. people go into the bar all separately and be there for all evening and get ready to and then laugh they come out and tell you things. Yeah. at the right moment drop their pint at the right moment and do and have like signals you know what they're drinking because someone yeah, else yeah. heard them order it you should all be on a radio loop together mm -hmm. so that you can take cues from see that guy in the red shirt he's about to drop that glass and then you just swing this, around this and sounds like it. a darren brown special yeah yeah <laughs> you watch yeah. darren brown's things yeah yeah everyone in the bar is it's, they're all in on it actors. yeah yeah oh man and we're just gonna make you believe that there is a time loop. <laughs> Fuck, I have to do this now. This is, that is so much fun. <laughs> so do you generally talk to strangers? I think I know the answer, but do, no. no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I, if they talk to me, I will respond. Yeah. And occasionally that's 
been interesting yeah. and fun. Yeah. Cause I am like, if I'm out in public, I am just sniffing the air for chats. Like I am just like primed and ready. If there's a conversation with a stranger that can possibly be started, I'll be in on it. You know what I mean? And I'm just like, mm -hmm. I'm always look. I'll even, if somebody's having a loud conversation where I think it's fair game, if it's a one-on-one -on -one conversation, I'm not going to join into somebody's conversation. I, ha I have done that a couple of times and I got some strange looks. Yes. I'll take a risk. But I always take the social cue to fuck off as well. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I'd rather take the risk and get the rejection than let the opportunity go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think Irish people are a bit more like that anyway. I think we're a bit more on public transport and stuff. There is a little bit more leeway for just kind of throwing stuff out there. Yeah. I'm in LA. Public transport is like, There's no such thing. if yeah. you can't get a car, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. that's a secondary thing. Yeah. You want to have your own car, drive where you go. Yeah converse with who you want to converse with yeah we're like new york but more polite we don't want to talk to you but we also will try to find an excuse yeah whereas in new york <laughs> just kind of like go away <laughs> starting fights with strangers is more is more well, yeah. that's in in movie new york anyway i don't know about real new york exactly hey i'm walking here what are you doing yeah yeah mm -hmm. 1201 i mean he did take a while to get up the nerve yeah he's got an hour i don't know if we see exactly how far away the park is from where he works but he walks there and it's the end of the hour by the time he sits down next to her and actually starts to eat. And she's like so fascinated by how neat his lunch is. Mm -hmm. Like, hope what my my saying. And all I can see is the guy on the other side of the camera. <laughs> it's like, I just, who is this person? Who is this? He wants to be vindicated this, about how his lunch yeah, is. Yeah, no, just this fantasy woman who's just like, I just find this bald dude this businessman this kind of <laughs> nondescript just endlessly fascinating i want to know more just it's so <laughs> fucking funny you know i'm not saying i'm against bald people i'm you know losing my hair it's not you know it's just that like especially in a movie you know with the kind of movie language of like what's in it for her you know right yeah yeah is she sitting on this bench because she wants someone to sit next to her yeah i don't know she's been there for most of an hour and no one has yeah I guess assuming so. her lunch time is the same as his. Mm -hmm. But then the rest of the film, it's not just him trying to meet her on the bench. Although yours is when we get to your time loop. Yeah. Yeah. His gets to see, he randomly sees a newspaper on one of these loops that has a headline about this scientist. It, everyone thinks it's crazy mm -hmm. talking about a time bounce. Yep. And it takes up the entire front page of whatever yep. local newspaper this is. It should have been like a tabloid newspaper that looked crazy. Yeah. You know, it looks crazy to everyone, mm -hmm. but he would buy it. Yeah. Yeah. The weekly world news kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then he gets his assistant to try to call the guy and that takes up the rest of the film. Oh my God. Can he not learn a phone number? I think the kind of internal justification is that he keeps saying to her, pretend I'm a big shot. Yeah. If you're some important person, why are you making your own phone calls? You know, you should be, this should There's be that, going yeah. to the secretary. Right. If he calls himself, they might not even patch him through to the guy. Yeah. But I think we should see him try that at least. Like fundamentally, uh, you quite like this film, and fundamentally, I think I don't. I think that's where we're on at this. Okay. That like that like I like some ideas in it. Yeah. But I'm spending the whole time going, ugh, you know, <laughs> the acting and the style of it, and a lot of the choices of the way the story goes out. It just makes me want to read the short story. The story's pretty good. The first one. The second one is not as good, and the third one is just weird. Okay. Because as sequels go, they had to alter what was going on the first one yeah and the whole point of the first one is it's this very finite this is it yes we're stuck here. you have an hour and it's going to keep repeating even if you die yeah the central premise of this is a trope that just kind of it does set my eyes a rolling <laughs> that like it's the old guinan trick to bring everything back to star trek the next generation yeah i think it's in an actual time loop and only Guinan notices because her species, oh, yeah. her perception transcends space and time. Yesterday's Enterprise, I think. Oh, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. Because they talk about Tasha Yar coming back and everything. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, Tasha's back. Yeah, yeah. They don't realize that's exactly. weird. It's, it's, it is Yesterday's Enterprise because Guinan is the key to them finding out that they're shifting. But I just find that trope so irritating. <laughs> That like which part of it? What the idea mean? of human perception or Guinan, you know, near human perception transcending space and time. Hmm. When it's like, no, our perception happens entirely in space and time. And it's like 
I don't want to say lazy because it does open up possibilities and it does relate to other ideas we have about ourselves. And it kind of it relates to this whole broader idea where we think of ourselves as little gods walking around. Yeah. And I kind of think a lot of psychic ideas and a lot of transcendental perception ideas come from the fact that we all secretly think we probably have superpowers. You know what I mean? And I think if the, I think if the history <laughs> We just haven't discovered which one yet. Yeah, yeah. And I think if the history of comics and the history of cinema and everything had played out differently, that the genre of superhero would have somehow been arrived at through different means. And the way superhero mm-hmm. relates to our stories of gods and and all of that and super beings. Because I think there's something fundamental about the way we move about in space and manipulate our environment and the way we when you get used to using any hand tool be it you know a modern electrical one or just a hammer it becomes an extension of your being in this very kind of vivid very subjectively real feeling way and now we know that part of what we're doing in our cerebellum is we're mapping the physical world around us and exactly it is in a very meaningful but still figurative way becoming an extension of our being and so there is a godlike feeling to that when you master a musical instrument or whatever the the kind of flow state that people talk about feels kind of godlike and even simpler things like moving your arm is like well my arm moved because i thought about moving my arm and i just intended and i i I, my will made a physical thing happen and and the means by which the nerve impulse traveled along and and moved the muscles is invisible to me Mm -hmm. therefore i think telekinesis is something that people kind of think they can already do you know what i mean because they don't think because, about the process yeah, yeah. because moving your, like your arm is you move so your many legs. times that it just happens yeah, yeah moving your arms and moving your legs is telekinesis to us subjectively mm-hmm. you know because these are just extensions these are things and then using a tool is telekinesis because like now this thing is part of my body it has become like part of my sphere of influence in a, in a very kind of meaningful way I kind of think that superpowers, especially telekinesis, and especially like the idea of reading people's minds, like like what we do all the time is try to read people's minds. Yeah. And we all carry a model with us of what the other person is thinking, wildly inaccurate, I'm sure, but mm-hmm. we, we all kind of feel. So I, th- I kind of think all of these powers and all of these ideas come from that. So I think it's fair enough. I'm kind of giving myself the counter argument to that. Like, I'm, you know, I started off by saying that I think this trope of time and space being nothing compared to the powers of human perception, <laughs> that there is kind of a justification to that in the way we think of ourselves and the way we move around in the world. And so it is fun to play with, but it's just, it's such an overused trope at this point. It's also hard to see how the story, the the story couldn't happen uh, unless you use that trope. So maybe, maybe I'm saying just don't bother telling that story. Well, there are over 200 TV episodes and movies that deal in time loops and there's short stories and there's books. I don't know how many of those. Now, basically then the rest of the film is him dealing with the scientists trying to figure out about this loop and finally finding out that there's no way to stop it yeah if it's happening it means the universe is and time is ending and he's just the only one who notices yeah i think it's kind of odd that the film doesn't end i mean the uh, the ending is quite effective it's good that he's just standing back at the same spot again in the start Mm -hmm. of another loop and we do come back to the woman on the bench anyway yeah i was gonna say it's weird that it doesn't kind of end a natural ending, I think, would be him just like walking up and sitting on the bench with her and saying something very kind of just open as just if trying to have a normal already, conversation. But it starts with I think that is probably what he's going to do next. But it starts it just ends in that more stark kind of moment. But yeah, the other thing I want to bring up is that like the the very first thing, which again is something you've discussed on here, which is like part of the genre now of time loop, is like oh, the markers, you yeah. recognize all the markers. And so one of the markers is this guy being unbelievably inhumane uh, uh, to this homeless person who's who's begging. Yeah, and get a job, you know, and and then talks about how you know he's smelly or whatever. So stark, and it's so like I mean, people in movies just in general say way more rude and more extreme things than mm-hmm. we do right because we have to know how bad they exactly. are immediately yeah yeah you get one sentence go yeah but i i don't think call me naive and and i don't know pollyanna but like i don't think even in la somebody would just get away with being that 
unbelievably aggressive and ignorant to somebody else with so Maybe many other people 80s. around. Maybe in the <laughs> 80s, yeah. Yeah. Reagan's America. Because to film this, they may have had to move some homeless people out of the way in that part. Yeah, 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 Jesus. Interesting note between 12 and 1 p.m. and Groundhog Day is Phil's time loop starts with I Got You, Babe, which yes. even if you don't care for the song, is pleasant. Oh, it's yeah, nice. Yeah, it's easy, easy. Myron's time loop starts with the sound of a jackhammer. Yes, not nice. He's at a corner in downtown <laughs> LA. It's noisy and there's a jackhammer. Yeah. So it's never pleasant. <laughs> Whereas in One Man Time Machine, it's a comedy like Groundhog Day. So it's more pleasant, even though it involves death. <laughs> It pairs perfectly with 12.01 p.m. because mm -hmm. here it is, a woman sitting on a bench yep. and a man comes down and sits beside her and a very unrealistic success of uh, the conversation where, again, it's like the male gaze and the male fantasy about how a conversation could go with a woman is at play here. It's a comedy, so it's much more kind of justified by the content and she gets so ridiculously horny for him that it's kind of you go with it as a joke, but it's still jazz. Mm -hmm. It's still like you wouldn't make it this way today. This also connects directly to the play. Sure thing, because that is it's not a time loop buzzer, but it is a buzzer that makes things repeat. Oh. And so this is a specific riff on that and the date sequence we're coming to later on Groundhog Day. Oh, Initially, my kind of, again, my, my brain that works by like, what are the rules? What's the process? Give me the mechanism is straight away going yeah. like, this isn't the time loop. This is time travel. It's called a, it's called a one minute time machine. It's a time machine where he goes one minute back in time. And mm -hmm. I was like, what? No, wait a minute. It's not. It is a time loop because when you go one minute back in time, there's only one of, you know, there would be two of you if you right. go one minute back yeah, in time. time travel, you'd still be there. Yeah. So the whole story hinges on, so he's running through the iterations of what's the right thing to say. And he bails from the conversation and hits the button every time she gives mm -hmm. a like, ew face, yeah. which is just, ah, there's something, there's, there's something icky about this. Well, it goes down to what you said about 1201 being this definitely filmed by a guy. Definitely filmed by a guy. And also just like the male attitude that I think, yeah, you and I brought this up on an episode of Malkovich, which is probably a bit that probably got cut from the actual episode. We ended up talking <laughs> okay. about time loops a lot because of, because I was just asking you about it. Is that like men tend to think of women in this kind of neuro-linguistic programming way. And I started talking about Walter White obsessing over Skyler when he was trying to get, that's Breaking Bad for anyone who doesn't recognize yeah. those names straight away, but <laughs> that he was, there's got to be a combination of words that will convince her to see it from my point of view. And it's like, right. no, dude, you're just a fucking psycho. And you know it from your point of view. You're the problem, basically. And it relates to kind of nice guy syndrome. And yes. I must be the good guy. I must be right. And it's kind of seeing women as things to be decoded rather than mm -hmm. seeing them as fundamentally the same as what we are. And it's just it's so pervasive in our culture. I'm not saying anything new at this. You know what I mean? Everyone knows this, but it's just kind of like it, yeah. it is once your eyes have been open to it and, and, and you see it's just like the number of sitcoms where the dad sits the son down. It's like the thing you got to understand about women is blah, 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 you know, mm -hmm. yeah. and it's like women are there to be decoded. And that's why I can't really enjoy this film, even though it is funny. It's kind of icks me out, you know? Yeah. So then it turns out the twist is that she's into science she's an expert although in time she travel. doesn't she doesn't like the terms into science and that's a that's a cause another yeah. cause for him to hit the buzzer but that she knows all about time travel and 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 happens to be an expert in this area and but then she's gotten so horny now that she just wants to get him so then she screws she it takes up the buzzer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> even after she explains the big twist yes the big twist again my my <laughs> i can't enjoy it because what the hell, what model of theoretical physics, what model of like logic <laughs> or time travel or the world gets you to arrive at this point where there's a button that can make you die on the spot and send a copy of you back in time to 
replace your body a minute ago, but really it would be sends an imprint of the state of your brain your in that moment. Yeah, consciousness, I don't yeah. want to say, I, I'm going to say an engram of your brain in that moment, an imprint of your brain in that moment and print it on to the brain of your past self so that you have the continuous moment of like you're, you're back in your body from a minute ago. Like that's the only way I can make sense of it. And like, that's not time travel. That's a whole elaborate manipulation right. of space and time. Which would work better without the one minute part. It's just you switch universes by killing your current self and your sight. You're like your brain goes and takes oh, over another one. That's alternate reality. In lots of things. Yeah, yeah. Right. She does it's alternate reality. reality. So, yeah, and you yeah. go back a minute. So yeah. So it's really the time machine aspect that that throws me then. It's really calling it a one minute time machine. It's really a universe switcher, like a sliders mm -hmm. scenario. Right. Of course, he's the one who put the label on the machine at the beginning. It actually said one minute time machine on it. Yeah, and that's kind of a good gag as well. Really, the only bit that I found actually funny is the montage of him just flopping life. The dead bodies, onto, yeah. Onto her. <laughs> her panicking. The, but I don't. Like, I don't buy the premise at all, which is, I'm so, I know I'm such a fucking buzzkill. No, I, that's fine. I, I know you understand, Robert. I'm more thinking about the listeners, you know? Yeah, yeah. The yeah. listeners are all fucking nerds. You're not going to be listening to an existential trilogy unless you're fucking, one of, <laughs> unless you're one of us weirdos, you know? So it's probably exactly. fine. But it just, yeah, it, it just like, I, I can't get on board with the premise and I can't get on board with that. That the source of the humor is just this woman being like, crazy horny for this guy this this quite okay at least this guy is kind of you know more conventionally attractive than the dad from that 70s yeah. show so it's a bit more believable but like it, it is so yeah it's just very kind of male gaze or not male gaze so much as male construction right which i wonder if with one minute time machine that maybe they realize that, which is why they have her take the machine. Yeah. And like the last few pushes are hers. And is they're trying to cover their asses. They're trying to cover their asses and making her a physicist makes kind of covers your asses as well. And would... yeah, she's the smart one. He may have made a time machine, mm -hmm. but she knows what it's actually doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But that I kind of got to call bullshit on that because it's like, that's a trope <laughs> in itself. You know, the hot chick is the astrophysicist. You know, it's just like, a whoa, <laughs> you weren't expecting that. You know, it's like, I blew your mind. So in like, my script, I shouldn't make her a physicist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. My twist is that his attempt to seduce the woman who's actually main character fails. Right. And I have a specific reason why. I've already got an idea of how that scene goes. Okay. But then yeah. she's going to remain a main character because for some reason, she's the person who believes him. Right, right. Every so time. It, yeah, yeah. So it has to be platonic a couple of different thoughts i'm i'm want to pin down now one is like yeah it's just like i guess i was gonna say to you how are you gonna do your film with like given what a low hit race there is of good time loop movies mm -hmm. maybe you tolerate them a bit you, more than you i make it eccentric and weird <laughs> yeah but also you're you're going to be taking this kind of comprehensive look at the genre so you're going to be playing mm -hmm. with the genre and the tropes of it as well and yeah and we come into the story he's already done all the tropes yeah he'll have flashbacks where okay. he tells you what they were yeah yeah and how he got here yeah yeah because i but i want to come into the story near the end yeah so that he has a reason to be like talking about this and he talks right to the camera and okay yeah yeah very Right, so it's it's going to be a weird time loop because we're not experiencing it in order. Oh, where he did. Okay, so we're a bit eternal sunshine, nonlinear then as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The other thought I had was like maybe a good way to make a version of this would be a gender swap. Yeah, because I think there's just a lot of we are now much more aware as a society of how shitty it is for women. To have men hitting on them in all these different scenarios and all these different situations when they just want to go about their day and 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 how widespread it is and just like men slowly realizing he said what and how many times this happened to you you know it's like this is insane and then <laughs> you know the kind of examination of like yikes i was kind of that guy you know and the, the self-reflexive hopefully self-reflective that like if you made this movie now i think you'd have to start with a gender swap and then see i and i I'd be interested to see what other changes you would have to kind of make. Or you do what other ones do is change genre completely so that you can just do other things. Because now time loop is shorthand. We know what it means. Yeah. Jump so off. So you can go and make it a heist movie now that involves mm -hmm. the time loop. Or you can go and do a, yep. yeah, do um, an existential examination and make it a time loop or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so then it comes down to structure of the story you're trying to tell. Yeah. And I don't want to hit into... No, I want to hit as many of the tropes as I can. Yeah. But hit them like in a... a At an oblique angle. Like lampshading, commenting. Yeah. These are problems. Yeah. But they are part of the story. You want to Ryan Johnson that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Subvert expectations. By giving you exactly what you expect. Yeah. <laughs> The double flip back subversion. That's the trick. Yeah. And that's how you use the voiceover is the voiceover doesn't tell you what the story is. Yeah. The voiceover tells you what you don't know mm. and can't know. Most voiceovers in modern movies are the beginning of the movie, maybe the end and they're brief and yeah. they're wastes of time because mm. mm. we don't need them. If we can't figure out who your main character is and what's going on in your world in context, you didn't do your job well enough. Yes. Or you need to make voiceover part of the story. Okay. So that's what you're going to do. Yeah. Okay. It's his ability to talk to us is the same as his ability to like talk to himself. It's like keep track of the things he knows. I'm just imagining you now editing this episode, having made the decision that you don't want to talk publicly about this screenplay you're working on. Oh no, I'm good. Whether I write it or not, I'm going to be recording the process. Well, the idea of like trying to extricate all of the examples from it and how how you would make sense of this mm -hmm. conversation without it because we've you know woven it in so much now plus i gotta get as much of it out publicly specifically so that if anyone else writes it faster than me and makes their version i can sue the rest there'll be a yeah and there'll be a record <laughs> yeah yeah it's like it's weird how you hit all these points i said i was going to hit <laughs> Or I'll be so excited that they made the movie. I'll be like, could you just put, give me a thanks? Oh, yeah, whatever. totally. Yeah, that's why I often think it. about like being protective of my ideas. Like, why would I want to be protective? Throw me a bit I'm of not... cash. Thank me on screen. Yeah, yeah. We're good. Yeah. I just like, I, I, I'll just throw all my ideas out there because I'm not going to make them. <laughs> I'll just right. guess somebody else might actually do the hard work. I'm a broad strokes guy. Like, I, I don't remember. I need to put the scripts I wrote just on script. Just, yeah. If you want them, take them. Yeah. Just keep my name on there i don't give a shit totally yeah yeah at least one of them's pretty good good yeah i'll t t download it meaning to read it and not get around to it how's that for you that's a firm exactly commitment. that's a firm commitment as long as people are downloading my things and not yeah reading them that's great <laughs> same with the podcast yeah subscribe download the episodes yeah. doesn't matter if whether you listen to them is secondary totally yeah just give me the numbers follow me on social media yeah yeah all that Give me the numbers, baby. I need the numbers. Yeah. Review this on your podcatcher of choice. Because <laughs> that'll help with the algorithms. This is the stuff I never say. In the outro, I'm like, yeah, follow it on, follow it on whatever. That. Yeah, you're fine. Yeah. Fuck algorithms. Don't want to be a slave to no algorithm. I need to just go back to how I did Annihilation. Annihilation, I didn't say my name. <laughs> I didn't tell you there was social media. I didn't say the name of the show. <laughs> it was just like, if you're listening, you know it exists and you care. Yeah. You'll look for the social media if you care. Yeah. As somebody who has like listened to some Irish podcasts recently that do none of that, but I only found them through a link online. So I didn't, mm -hmm. I didn't, you know, go and download them myself. I just skipped them because I was like, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you're talking about. Stop it. You're giving me a headache. <laughs> and like the artwork was for one show. And then he says the name of another show because there's several shows in the same <laughs> feed. And it's like, just fucking tidy it up. Get your act together. You know, give me an ident now and again. <laughs> yeah, so don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Annihilation was a different style of show. Interesting. Pre-written, over-edited. It was more about feeling the experience. Yeah, I might get around to listen to it, but my, yeah, my min movies by minute backlog is insane. So <laughs> I'll keep up with Existential Trilogy and I'll definitely listen to Adventures at Home when and if it comes out. When? Mm -hmm. Speaking of that, it once adventures at home is out you'll be on that where else can people find you because um, the only other bit of this was that rita adjusts his tie when she mm -hmm. when he gets there well i was part of a good fun movies by minute group project this year my minutes were back at the start of the year it's called silverado minute and yeah. well jim o'kane puts one of these together every year and we've done 1985 lawrence kasdan written and directed western Silverado, one minute of screen time per episode. And um, mm -hmm. I did a week of that and I sang the theme tune. That was fun. And the second week was a, a solo effort by one me. Professor Robert E.G. Black. That's right. Yeah, uh, I did so, not sing the theme song. No. <laughs> Thank you for listening. The Groundhog Day Project Minute by Minute is just one part of an existential trilogy of podcasts. 
Tune in every Tuesday for Minutia Ex Machina, every Wednesday for more Groundhog Day, and every Thursday for Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Minute. And you can follow all three shows in one feed. Just search an existential trilogy. Follow this show on Twitter at Groundhog Day MXM and on Instagram and Facebook at Groundhog Day Project. This has been a production of Lemming Drops Studio. You can find links to more at lemmingdrops.com or join the Facebook group Lemming Drops Studio Tour. Also, you can support all my shows at patreon.com slash lemmingdrops. Until next time. Through time. What is wrong in the end which never comes? Or which comes again and again? Lap, lap, lapping. Like waves. Since the Big Bang set everything in motion, everything that happens in this universe has to be the way it is. Man, are you hungry? I haven't eaten since later this afternoon. Particles unfolding the way they're destined to. How do you sleep at night? You've never seen Groundhog Day? Yeah, you know, Groundhog Day is not a documentary. So yes, I have a screenplay and a podcast, not <laughs> a time loop, the definitive time loop story. So that yeah. no one will make another one. You have a screenplay and a podcast and you live in LA. That's redundant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> also a white male. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I repeat myself.